I don't know about you, but I pray that that song rings true to your heart, that God truly is faithful. I have a lot of mixed feelings as I'm up here today. Most of them are good, don't worry. <laughs> but I've been away for a month, and I'm kind of like uh, jumping back on the horse or, or going back on the bicycle and, and feeling a little rusty and feeling a lot of different ways, but I'm grateful to be here nonetheless. If you would have known before I left, uh, I had been working with you guys through a series that we've been looking through the Sermon on the Mount, and the plans were to continue that series for today, but I really felt led to preach on a different subject, specifically the story of the prodigal son. I think this story is really powerful and very timely for the season of life that many of us are in right now. I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to hear these words from Scripture. But I do want to take some time to just share a little bit with you about my time away in sabbatical. Uh, if you didn't know, for the month of October, I took some time away to really restore both my family and I, to read specific books, to listen to leadership lessons, to take time away and to be with the Lord. And I tell you, it was a very restorative time for us. I wanted to share a little bit of our highlights for that time. That was during the first week of sabbatical. My wife and I, we ended up going out into the mountains in Silverthorne, and the boys were loving that so much. In fact, uh, we stayed at a cabin out there, and just yesterday, my son was telling me, Daddy, remember the house in the mountains? Could we live there? <laughs> And uh, I, I told him, of course, once you start making a few million dollars, we'll, we'll move right over. <laughs> and uh, that was such a beautiful time. I think we have some other photos there for you. That's the kids by the water. And uh, I know I'm very biased because those are my kids, but uh, I think they look pretty darn cute there. And uh, that was uh, a hike in Castlewood Canyon with our youngest little pup and Michaela and the kids hiking. And this is a really fun picture. That is not me on that wall. <laughs> that is actually Theodore, my little four-year-old, um, climbing. So for the month of October, something uh, that I put in my sabbatical plan is to do something fun. So um, I had recently got a climbing membership at a rock climbing gym, so I climbed a ton and brought Theodore oftentimes with me. And... Um, I was shocked to see how just naturally good he is. So that's him uh, up, I don't know, 30, 40 feet on a wall climbing right there. And uh, what, a, what a pretty neat thing if people would pass us by as, as he was doing that to make sure, uh, just wondering how old he was. So <laughs> I was a pretty proud dad as he was on the wall there. Um, but this time was just so, so good for us. And I really believe that the Lord spoke to me, spoke to my wife, and really just allowed our family to heal in so many ways. 
It's kind of a hard thing to admit, but it is very true that sometimes you don't know how much you need something, even if you know you need something, until you're actually experiencing it. And that's very much what I felt during this time. In fact, I remember telling my wife at some point during the sabbatical time that I feel like I'm me again. And uh, I know I needed that. So before I go into today's message and describe a little bit more about this time of sabbatical and the message that I have prepared for you today, I want to invite you once more for a moment of prayer. And as we pray, I, I pray that my words would be your words right now. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, we do thank you that we get to be here today that we get to be your church, that your scriptures tell us that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you surely are in the midst of us. I pray, Father, that as we unfold scripture today, that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would minister to us, Lord, that you would restore us right where we are at. Lord, that if there is anybody today feeling lost, that they would have a sense of being found today by you. So I pray, Lord, that we would have eyes to see the things that you are doing and ears to hear the words that you are speaking to us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a confession to make to you, church. And this is going to surprise many of you. Maybe not all, but some. I have not wanted to be a pastor for several years now. And that might shock you because there is a huge part of me that at least uh, that when I'm trying to project to others is a man that is trying to do his best within pastoral ministry. But there has been portions of who I am on the inside that have completely rebelled in the call in my life to be a pastor. This is something that you might not know about me, but oftentimes when I'm meeting new people, there is a part of me on the inside that says, please don't ask me what I do for a living. Please don't ask me what I do for a living. Please don't ask me what I do for a living, because I don't even want to share sometimes that I'm a pastor. Now that might shock you, and that's okay, because I have a reason why. You know, years ago, my first job when I was in high school was I had this wonderful job working at an elementary school where after school was dismissed, I had the privilege with a group of other people of taking care of the elementary school students. And I specifically got to run the tutoring club after school, and it was a really fun job. And every now and then I would get to fill in for some of the uh, counselors that would be working there to take care of the children. And I remember on 
on one occasion, I was taking care of a first grader group, and I had dismissed the kids, and the kids were dismissed, and there was the teacher in the room for the rooms that we used to stay in. Oftentimes, the teachers would linger after school to grade papers and work on their lesson plans for the next day. So it just so happened that I stayed long enough that the teacher struck up a conversation with me and pretty quickly we realized that both of us were people of faith, that she was a Christian and I was a Christian. And at this time, I'm only around 17 years of age and uh, she starts to ask me, so what do you want to do in your future? And of course, without skipping a beat, I tell her I want to be a pastor. And then I start to get into all of these dreams that I have about being a pastor, about being able to live on mission, about being able to see hundreds, if not thousands of people be able to make professions of faith in the Lord, to see people disciple, to see lives changed, to see people who are struggling with addictions healed. And to just really see the Spirit of God awaken and moving in this world. And I make it very clear as I'm sharing all of this that I want to be a part of it. That I want to see revival. That if there is another great awakening, I want to feel like I played a part. And I remember sharing all of this with her probably a little too zealously. And I'll never forget what she told me. Because she looked at me, smiled, and said, I remember when I used to have big dreams too. And I could tell that by her reply, what she saw in front of her was just a naive young man full of passion. Was just a, a young person that had not come to terms with reality yet, that was well-intentioned but didn't really understand the world for what it is, and that I would soon, like her, realize that the dreams that I have are just that, dreams. But you see, after she told me those words, they haunted me. And in many ways, I remember exactly how I felt in that moment. And how I felt in that moment was complete pride. I felt pride and I felt sorrow. Sorrow for her for giving up on her dreams. But pride in myself thinking that, well, she's just weaker than me. She doesn't have the same will that I have. She doesn't know how strong-minded I am over doing this and seeing it happen. I'll show her wrong. If maybe she was made out of better stuff, she wouldn't have said something like that. Now, I understand that the story that I share with you probably looks a little bit different than your story. Maybe you didn't grow up wanting to be a pastor like me. But we could all relate, can we not, to having a dream in life. To being able to believe in something that we want to see manifest within our future. 
And maybe for you, that dream was as simple as being able to find somebody that you can spend the rest of your life with. But years have gone by, and that dream was never fulfilled. You never met the company of that special man or that special woman in your life. Maybe your dream was to be able to travel the world, to live on adventure. But for whatever reason, you had to settle down and settle into certain responsibilities that kept you from doing that. So you look back at your former self and you say, I remember when I used to have a dream. Maybe for yourself, your dream was to just be able to own a home and have 2.5 kids and work a job. And for whatever reason, life took a different direction. Or perhaps your dream was to be a pastor, to plant churches, to preach the gospel, to see thousands of people come to faith in Jesus. Perhaps your dream was to go on missions trips, to lead revivals, to see the, hick, the sick healed, to see the lame walk, and to see people who are struggling with addictions liberated. And perhaps you could not think of anything grander than to call yourself a minister of the gospel, a pastor. That was my dream. But isn't it amazing how our dreams can change. How we can lose sight of the things that excite us in life. How someone like myself, who was so driven to do something, doesn't even want to own the title of it. Pastor Kevin. Today we're going to be taking some time to look at dreams. In order to do that, I want us to open up to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be looking at a story called The Lost Son, but more famously called The Prodigal Son. Now, I understand that many of you have heard this story before. In fact, if you ever have been raised in church, you've probably heard it a time or two because it is one of the most famous stories that Jesus has ever told. And for that reason, it's one that is well known. But I believe that God is going to be unfolding and speaking to each of us in a fresh wind today. But before I read this story to you, I want to make something clear. I want to pause for a second here. And I want to acknowledge something that is very, very, very important. So important that we need to take the time to recognize it. I do not know how you came in today. I know some of you maybe came in today coming off of a really difficult and challenging week where you heard a lot of things that were spoken into your life that causes you to second-guess yourself. 
I know some of you have probably come into the church today with pains, with burdens, with feeling despair. Some of you might be on the other side of that, and maybe you came to church today just feeling bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, happy to be here. Wherever you are within that spectrum of what, how, how you came in here today, I want to make something clear, that you are here, that we all came here to be fed, amen? That every single person within this room is here for a common cause and a common goal, and that is to hear God in our lives, amen? So I want you to take note of that and observe in this room around you that every single person here is here to hear from the Lord, me included. Church, I have come today even to preach, but even in my preaching to hear from the Lord. Because you know what, church, life is too difficult and too challenging to be able to navigate the sea that is this world without the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So I want you to take note that the people within this room, and feel free to look around, are your brothers and sisters in Christ, are here to be fed and here to hear from the Lord. May we be the kinds of people to each other that try to encourage this in one another. This is not, coming to church is not just a transactional experience. It's not just coming here to check a box or to fulfill an obligation, but we are here to hear from the Lord. Amen? So with that expectancy and that posture, let us hear from the words of Christ. Luke chapter 15. I'm going to uh, read more than I normally read, but we, we need to read the story in its entirety to really get the most out of it. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer am worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled 
with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let, let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come. He replied, And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But, the an but he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Church, there is so much to unpack here, and we're going to need to take more than just this Sunday to do it. But I want to share with you the context in which this whole entire story comes out of. You see, if you didn't know within this time when Jesus gives this story, it, he is gathering around crowds of people. You see, word is getting out in the land of Israel, that there is this guy named Jesus who is preaching and doing these wonderful things and people are being healed. And as a result of that, there is more and more people that are coming and gathering around the person of Jesus Christ. And because of that, the religious leaders of Jesus's day takes note of Jesus and scornfully resents him and his following. They do not like what he is doing. It says, actually, before this, in Luke 15, 1, it says, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And it's with this kind of sentimentality that Jesus gives this powerful story of the prodigal son. So let's take a notice of what this story is really trying to demonstrate for all of us. So as the story unfolds, what happens? There is a son who wants to what? Gain his father's inheritance. 
to go off to a distant land. If I were to give you a plane ticket and come to you and say, hey, here is a free ride to the Middle East, although probably not the time of year to go right now. (laughs) But if I were to give you a free plane ticket to this Middle Eastern types of cultures and ask ask you to ask people who are in farming or who live there, hey, what would you do if one of your sons, let's just say your youngest son, came up to you and requested an early inheritance? What would you think about that? Well, they would be outraged, even up until this day. Why? Because what the son was doing there was he wasn't just asking for an advance on his allowance. He was actually saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. I know that you have tried to form a legacy for our family. I know that you have plans for my life even after you are long gone, but I do not want to have anything to do with the plans that you have set forth for me. And in fact, I would prefer it if you weren't around so that I can just start enjoying life now Because the life that you have for me is not the life that I desire. Make no mistake, when the son requested for his inheritance, he was telling his father, I reject you. Now that might be shocking for our ears to hear. But if we think about it, are we very different? Do we operate much differently than the son who rejects his father? You see, the truth is, is all of us live this way. All of us have rejected our heavenly father. We all desire to live and receive the blessings of God, but oftentimes without the relationship. You see, the son not only asking for the inheritance was effectively saying, Dad, I do not want to have you in my life. But him going off to a distant land was also saying, I do not want to have anything to do with you. And I do not consider your home my home. I do not consider your plans my plans. And I want to have the blessing that your life can provide for me, but within my own context of how I want to live and what I consider to be good for me. Do you think Jesus is trying to give us a big mirror and help us to see ourselves a little bit more through this story? So the son does just that, right? He goes off to the foreign land, and while he's there, we learn that he does what? He squanders his entire wealth. Now, to burn that amount of money, he had to almost work hard to lose it that fast. But he did just that. 
And it wasn't until the famine struck the land that he began to realize the error of his ways. So famine ends up coming into the land. And what do we know the son does? The son loses everything that he has and is forced to work as a servant in a farm. And while he's there, he has to feed the pigs. Now you may have forgotten, but within Jewish culture, there is nothing more low than swine. In fact, it is the lowest form of life that you can imagine. And it's why Jewish people would even avoid eating pigs. So here you have within Jesus' story the lowest point in his life that he has lost everything that he has and not only that but after all the money is burned out he's forced to live a life that is the lowest of the low a Jewish boy taking care of pigs and then even lower than that he's not only taking care of the pigs but he's looking at the food of the pigs and looking at that food with desire and saying, oh man, I want to eat that food. Jesus couldn't have painted a more clear picture of just how far this child has sunk. And in some ways, when we look at this story, we're almost satisfied by his downfall. We almost smile at this and say, well, he got what he deserved. But we cannot forget the parallel between this boy's life and our, boy, and our own lives. That we too oftentimes believe that our ways and the way that we want to live is so much better than what God is calling us too. And so we too set up homes in distant lands. You see, a discovery that I've made within my own life is that the dreams that I had when I was younger were not wrong. What I have discovered over this past month, especially, is that it's the voices in the places that I want to live in that have actually destroyed my dreams. Because you see, all of us, even if you say, well, Pastor Kevin, I've been coming to this church since the building was erected. Since there was a sign outside, I've been here. Even if you've been a Christian or claim the name of Christ your entire life, we all at different moments of life for different reasons struggle to find our home. For whatever reason, we doubt that the home that God has given us is the best home that we could possibly have. So what do we do? We look across the pond and visualize for ourselves what life could be if things were a little different. I oftentimes have wondered, I wonder what life would have been like if I just stayed in medicine and became a doctor as was 
originally planned in my life or became a pilot, which was my other backup plan. And I've had that running on repeat, especially when times get hard. Oh man, I should have done that. Why didn't I do that? I shouldn't have done that. I wouldn't be dealing with this right now if I had done that. And perhaps your story is somewhat similar. But church, the lesson that I believe that God wants us to hear is that our home matters. And what we find our home in also matters. When we reject God, we're not just rejecting Him, but we are harming ourselves. I like what Henry Nouwen says about rejection of the home. He says this, referring to this lost son. It is a heartless rejection of the home in which the son was born and nurtured in a break with the most precious tradition carefully upheld by the larger community of which he was put apart. Church, we all reject the home that God has given us. And many of us are trying to find homes in so many other things other than Him. And a prayer that oftentimes I, I try not to pray, but I often need to realize that it can be a good prayer, is, Father, help me to see where my true home is. And help me to do that before I experience the pain of what bottom looks like. Because whether you realize it or not, him hitting a bottom is what it took for him to realize where his true home was. That the home that he had with his father was far better than any other home he could find for himself in any other place. Amen? Are there times where you are running from your father's home? Maybe some of the voices that you hear calling you to the distant land sound like this. Don't show other people your weaknesses. You shouldn't be friends with those kinds of people. Make sure people know how important you are. You cannot be happy in this relationship. You need to prove your worth. You won't be happy until you have fill in the blank. And without realizing it, your sense of self, your hopes, your dreams, they begin to shatter. Because as you become deaf to the voice of the Father, your ears become open to the world. And let me tell you this, church, the voice of the world will never help satisfy you. It will only cause you to go to a place of bottom. Church, the big idea for today what I hope you can walk away with is this simple truth. Do not become deaf to the voice of the Father. I'll say that once more. 
do not become deaf to the voice of the Father. You see, so often I encounter and I meet people who know, who can even quote that if I were to say, God loves you, it is for grace that you have been saved. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be anxious about anything. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of what? Power. That these are many verses that maybe you have memorized or you have hear, heard before at some point. But why is it that oftentimes, even though we know that, that verse, those verses are in plain, bold text in our scriptures, even though we know that those verses came from heaven above onto us in order to encourage us, when we read those verses, it's like, yeah, but... Life's really hard at work, so I'm going to stay anxious. And for whatever reason, the voice of the world is louder than the voice of God in our lives. Church, do not become deaf to the voice of the Father. Because the voice of the Father is always calling us to greater things. You see, I believe, church, God wants us to hear his voice. I believe, church, God wants us to come home. I believe, church, that God wants us to be his sons and daughters, to live out his mission in this world, to have dreams for those who maybe feel like your dreams were unfulfilled. Church, I can, for the first time in a long time, proudly say, I am proud to be a minister of the gospel. I am proud to be a pastor. I am proud to be your pastor. I am proud to live as a light for Christ to those around me. In church, I have a dream. I have a dream to see many people come to Jesus, to see marriages restored, to see disciples made, to see people liberated from the bondage of sin. And I will continue to listen to the voice of the Father so that I do not give up on that dream. You see, the key is our dreams must come not from a distant land, but from our Father. He knows us, and he has put in all of us all that we need to live out our dreams. Your dreams are something that God can bestow on you, but it's the world and it's the enemy that wants to snuff that out. So in order to hold on, even if you are older or younger, it means not becoming deaf to the voice of the Father. So I leave you with a question. What are your dreams? What is God calling you to? What does that look like? Not tomorrow, but today. Because church, I know my dreams and I'm going to live until I see all those dreams fulfilled. Until I see the Lord using me in the ways that I know he can use me. I wonder, how is God going to use you? 
I'm going to pray now. And in, a, in this time of prayer, I want us to be intentional. There's a lot going on today. I'm sorry. I know I'm probably over, but that's what happens when I have a month of not talking. <laughs> I want you to think about your dreams. Maybe it's a dream that you had 20 years ago. I know, for instance, you've heard some of mine. But I know, for instance, a girl whose dream is very different than mine. She has a dream because she's in the medical profession and she helps in labor and delivery as a nurse. She has a dream to be able to help pregnant mothers avoid and deal with postpartum depression. That's her dream. That's what she wants to do to bring honor to God, is to be able to be there for women and families. I know somebody, for instance, who works in marketing, and he has a dream that he wants to use his skill set to not just advertise for materialistic items, but to advertise for businesses and organizations that honor God. That's his dream. You've heard my dream. I know of another person who has a dream to be able to use horses. Okay, it's my wife. <laughs> who has a dream to be able to use horses as a form of therapy for others. Who did that growing up and wants to do that again and, and pair broken people with broken horses and allow that bond to bring restoration and healing in people's lives. I think that's a great dream. What's your dream? What is God calling you to work on? What has been a dream maybe that you have forgotten that looks really dusty? Maybe it's buried deep somewhere. I don't know. But we're going to take time and we're going to pray that the Lord would give us a dream. And then I want to ask you to do one more thing. And that is during our time of potluck, maybe share that dream with somebody at the table. Instead of engaging in a small talk with each other, which is nothing wrong with that, but instead of talking about football and all the other things that are going on in this world, maybe talk, have, have a gospel conversation. Talk about Jesus. Talk about a dream. Talk about something that God is doing in your life. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you for the ways that you love us, Lord. As we're going to continue to look at the prodigal son, Father, I know that you are calling many of us home. Father, I know that for many of us as well, we have looked at distant lands. We have looked at distant lands, and in looking at distant lands, we have forgotten where our true home is. And in doing that, Lord, we have heard voices that have caused us to give up on the things that we believe in. Lord, I know you are healing hearts right now, that you are touching lives right now, that you are reminding people of what their dreams were, and that for many people here, you are reinvigorating in them the kinds of dreams they need to have. And Father, I just pray that you would bless that work. That this would not be an isolated moment on a Sunday morning. But Father, that you would help us to receive those dreams.